You're listening to Together by AGCI. I'm Marissa Butterworth. When our team was brainstorming about this special Father's Day episode, one person's name kept coming to my mind. I thought he'd be too busy to be able to help, but eventually I decided to stop saying his no for him and just ask if he'd be willing to share. It turns out there was a reason that God kept bringing his name to mind. David Maybaugh is an adoptive dad of two sons from Ethiopia and has been happily married to his wife, Larissa, for the last 27 years. He is a lifelong resident of Ohio, where he works as a senior product manager at a software development company, in addition to being a pastor at their church. David had a lot to share, and I hope that you walk away from it as moved as I did. David, thank you so much for taking the time to jump on this podcast with me and chat with everybody and share with us about what it's like to be an adopted dad. And this is kind of an unofficial, um, an unofficial official Father's Day special. <laughs> and I feel like it's special because you're on here. But we're just, I'm so excited to hear more of your story. And um we, I know I feel so honored that you'd be willing to come on and share that with us. Oh, Marissa, thank you so much. It's a, it's a privilege uh, to, to be with you today. Uh, thanks for the invitation. No, it's been, uh, it's been quite the, quite the journey. Um, I feel like I've, uh, I've learned way more uh, probably than uh, you would think uh, the, you know, parents should be learning, but that's actually Real parents know that, but uh, if you're not a parent yet, uh, there's a lot to learn. Sorry to spoil oh. that. So, yeah. So, spoiler yeah. alert here, yeah. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. I feel like I'm. There's just that you know, as soon as you think you have something figured out, something else happens. Yeah. So you have more to learn. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Well, I met you and your family um, for the first time last year, and um, I loved just hearing a bit about um, your journey and your family's adoption journey specifically. Would you mind sharing it with us? Uh, absolutely. Glad to do that. And um, so I, I guess we'll start with uh, Larissa and I had been married 13 years, um, and we did not have children. And, you know, I, I, am very empathetic to, uh, those of our friends and those we meet that, that really struggle with infertility, but that was never our story. So we were, we were, you know, bopping along pretty happy. And I, I don't know what your congregation's like, Marissa, but, you know, there's kind of a pattern to these things, you know, no, nobody asks, if you're pregnant yet, you know, when you've been married a year, but then from year one to five, everybody's like, well, yep. you're going to have kids. And then at <laughs> about year on. five, <laughs> well, about year five, like it starts to get silent and they don't ask anymore because they wonder. And then we found it at year 10, they start to give you the sad eyes. Like, oh, we're so sorry. For, Stop. And so we're like, we, <laughs> so, so we were, we were in the sad eyed stage. Um, but uh, so our uh, the, our first adoption is really inextricably linked with um, a health crisis that I had. So I, I have several autoimmune diseases. <clears throat> and at the time, uh, one of them was really flaring up and I was facing a surgery. And uh, it, it hadn't quite got to that bad of a state when we signed our contract with AGCI. And you can appreciate um, the... Uh, the timeline, uh, our contract to uh, having our son home was seven months. Sign oh the contract. To the se- yeah. So we had heard that, oh, it's two to three years. So we're like, 
let's sign the contract, get things in the progress. Yes. We'll get the surgery handled. Uh, well, that's that was not our story. <laughs> so um, they fast during, tracked you. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, during this time period, um, I'd lost uh, about fifty pounds. Um, I, you know, I, I ended up having the surgery. It took me almost two weeks to get back out of the hospital. It took, oh. took a while to, to get back on my feet. But, but through this, uh, we actually signed uh, the adoption paperwork from the hospital. So we were in the hospital, you know, signing papers on one of those janky little trays that actually was never at the right height. Of course. Um, so, yeah, so we, we were doing that um, post-op. Uh, it took a long time for me to get back on my feet. And it was really a journey of faith. You know, we had to pray through every decision. So, you know, God, are we, is this our child? Yes. Sign the paperwork. You get through, it's like, okay, well, it's coming fast. You know, do I buy, do I buy plane tickets to fly to Ethiopia? Yep. Buy the plane tickets to fly to Ethiopia. I couldn't, at the time we purchased them, uh, I was not healthy enough to travel, and it wasn't until about the week before we flew uh, flew in country that I was actually um, finally in a spot where I could travel. And it was interesting wow. during that time. So, um, a very obscure, you know, Old Testament reference we were reading through that just kept coming up again and again, and that is um, Ziklag. So, may may or may not uh, anybody listening know what that is, but that was the town where David and his men lived when they were with the Philistines. And so he, he was at a point where um, he was living with the enemy and they actually went to war and they, they wouldn't even use him. So it's like he was at the lowest point in his life. And it was at that time when, uh, you know, another tribe came in and, you know, raided his town and took all the women and all the stuff while he was out getting rejected for war. And from that point, it was about, I think, two or three weeks until he was finally anointed king. And it's like God just kept pushing in on us and reminding us. It's like, look, this is this is the way you see your condition, but like I can redeem mm. all of that. So that was that was kind of where we were in that tough time. So fast forward, we get into um, so I, I was by no means healthy. You know, I was all the way up to like 140 pounds at this wow. point uh, when we flew to um, to Addis Ababa, and I think. It's like three and a half miles higher than Mount Everest, I think, in yep. Honest. Yeah, so, I think you're right. <laughs> so, we, you know, we got there and, you know, I, you know, my hemoglobin's low and we could hardly breathe through the country. But, you know, we, we started, we were actually with the largest um, group ever, I think, in AGCI really? history. There were, there were 12 families and 15 children adopted uh, in our group when we were there. It was like a very oh rowdy hotel party. Yes. Um, but anyhow, um, it was pretty exciting. Um, our, our oldest son, uh, and we'll you know maybe talk about this some later. He he has a, a, an enormous amount of self esteem. So um, our first night, like you would go and you would meet him, and at the time, and then you go to court, and then they come back to the hotel, and they're your children, and they don't know it, and you know it, and so you know when 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 we told uh, Yakalo it was time to go to bed, he's like heading for the door, ready to go back. That's amazing. Oh, all <laughs> so right. he's ready to so, go home. Yeah. Yeah. He's ready to go home. And, you know, he, he cried a little bit when we put him to bed, but um, like his resilience, we, we literally woke up to uh, like he was sleeping between us 
and we woke up to him kissing us. Oh. And like he would kiss, he would kiss us on the nose. And if I remember the words right, like he'd say, Afensha, which is nose. And then he'd want us to kiss, kiss his kiss nose. Kiss his nose. And, oh and then gosh. he would do that to both of us. And then he would like point to his chin and say, Gunch or cheek. And so we'd kiss his cheek and then oh. he'd kiss our cheek. So, so um, also this was the scene of uh, Larissa's Beth's birthday gift ever. Uh, we realized, so she's jet lagged. And oh, yeah. I, like I, I am uh, very weak at this point. And uh, so we realized kind of belatedly that one of the days we were there was actually her birthday. Oh. So I'm like, I tell you what, I've, I've got this, go take a nap. And so she, she went and crashed for two hours. And, and during that time, uh, Yakalo and I learned a secret handshake. And we, uh, we oh, uh, I love you know, it. Kind, kind of, uh, uh, you know, You've raided bonded. the pantry. Yes. Yeah, we did. We had some good uh, father-son time. Um and then ultimately, honestly, the thing that's most memorable is on the way home, uh, I got, I picked something up the last day in the airport. I picked oh. up a stomach bug. Uh, so this is whatever, two months post-op on a GI surgery. Oh. Uh, and Larissa, we think, tore her meniscus on the bus from the hotel to the airport. Oh, and so, no. So that... That was a long trip uh, home. Oh, that sounds uh, miserable. So, yeah. So thankfully, our second adoption was much less eventful. It took it took way longer. So it took about two years. So okay. um, there was probably six months after we had Yakalo home until really uh, both of us felt the Holy Spirit leading us to adopt again. Okay. And that one went uh, more of a normal duration um, you know, at the time, Hannah's hope had changed substantially during the intervening years. Um, both of our sons were right around their third birthday when we adopted them. Wow. Um, and so the, the hardest thing with that is they had changed the policy. So we would travel and do court and then go home. Yes, that's what we and, had and, to. And leave, we left Sintayu there. So that was really wrenching. Yeah. Um, you know, one interesting anecdote, um, neither... Neither of our sons had a birth father in the picture, and they had completely well, similar response to me in that, like I was not an authority figure. Like yep. they, they were used to, they were used to mom being the boss, but they had a completely different response to me. Yakalo um, saw me as this great toy, like I was this great adventure, and, and <laughs> Sintayu saw me as enemy number one. So they're like the completely different yes. response. Yeah, the responses to the role of of dad. So I had to had to break it in from uh, different different angles there. So uh, yeah, that's uh, that was our that's in a nutshell uh, the, the journey it. that we've been on. I love it, and I it's interesting too that you have both stories. You have the you know quick one, the one that took longer, two trips versus one trip. Uh, both the boys respond. You had two very different. Uh, experiences with both of them. Uh, It gave you a full range. So um, when did God first place adoption on your hearts? Yeah, no, that's a really good question. It's actually um, somewhat of a sad story. Um, So as I mentioned, we've been married 13 years and uh, we both really felt um, the the Holy Spirit moving in our hearts. It It was, you know, we live out in, in uh, you know, farm country. So it's like 
he felt like, you know, he was, you know, you know, disc plowing and disking. It's like getting your heart ready to yeah. plant something. And we weren't sure, you know, exactly what it was going to be. We kind of assumed it would be mission work. And so mm. we, were, we were thinking through that, you know, you know, what are the different opportunities, the opportunities that we could look into? And um, unfortunately, that the timeline is uh, right about when uh, Stephen Curtis Chapman, um, when they, they lost their, yes. their, their daughter, and that was... That was really, um, you know, on local radio, Christian yes. radio, a lot of the interviews, <clears throat> a lot of like, re, yeah, like replay, but replaying a lot of um, uh, the, the stories that they had told mm-hmm. previously about their adoption journey. So like at this exact same time that, you know, our hearts had been, you know, plowed and dissed and ready for a seed, you know, God wow. dropped that in and, you know, it was not at all <laughs> what we were expecting. And so that, that took a while, uh, not only from the, the, the grief of that origin, but then also from our own, um, you know, everybody who has been, you know, the biggest jump is going from zero to one <laughs> child. So it's like everybody that's made that transition, um, you know, we uh, were really, you know, took, took some time to adjust to that took some time to get used to. And then of course, as I mentioned earlier, it was overlapping uh, some, some health concerns. And so we were really having a hard look at uh, what all that would involve. So, but that's, it was, it was, you know, you know, how does the Holy spirit move the, you know, however he wants to, but it was song after song after Mm. what was opened in church and what was preached on and what you heard on the radio and just what you feel God speaking to you in the in the quiet of your heart mm. consistently to both of us. So that's yeah. beautiful and heartbreaking. I mean, but yeah. that's um I I think that's a lot of people's stories just of how yeah. God speaks to you and just keeps mm-hmm. you know, keeps on keeping on on uh, yeah. adoptive parents that are supposed yeah. to start that journey, but um so here's another question for you. What are you most proud of as a dad? Yeah. Um, man, there's, there's a lot of things. Um, but I would say, uh, both of my, both boys have been forced to overcome, um, their, their amygdala response. And, and if, if you're not familiar with that, um, you know, when, when, when you get to a situation where you're scared or, um, surprised, your, your your brain kind of shuts down, and you're now in a in a from evil uh, fight or flight or freeze state. Yeah, and that's that's the amygdala response. And and my older son, Ayakalo, he is a freezer. So when when he was young, and you know, you would hear about him misbehaving, or you would catch him misbehaving, and you would have the talk. Where's that like, my son? Why did you do like he would just freeze? Like yeah. he would literally get to a point where he would start sweating and all oh, and, and everything. And yes, he, yeah, he, he like, was I all can't. freaked out. <laughs> yeah, he just I can't own up to it. And uh, so he, over over time, uh, he has found his voice, mm. and we've worked with him and worked with him. 
And, you know, of course, now he's like, what's the point of having a voice if I can't get everything I want? So, like, we're, we're <laughs> You're in that stage we're, now, yes. We're in that stage now. So but that's a like, healthy, normal stage, yeah, yes. Yeah, <laughs> yes, yes, like we're, we're negotiating. So so I'm, I'm so proud of him mm. for, for being able to do that. And, and I see it, you know, he will uh, still, like, start to freeze and then pull himself back wow. out of it and, and try and work through it. And then my, our younger son, Sintayu, uh, he was a flea. he would flee like if if he got scared or yep. anything he was just like I'm out of here he's and, gone and, <laughs> yeah yeah, he, yeah and and he um, he carries the the grief of his past probably much closer mm-hmm. to the surface so that was that was recurring and we really had to work with him to get to the point where he can see it now and not only does he so it, it's not that. He, it's not that he won't flee, mm-hmm. but he will do it safely and he will, mm-hmm. and the duration is much shorter. And he's learned a lot of coping mechanisms where it's like he can help, he can recognize it and he can help himself. And like, I know how hard that is because I'm, uh, I, I tend to be a little bit more of a fighter and like have a short fuse. And it's like, mm-hmm. I know how hard it is for me to like rack to keep that in control. And yeah. so, to see them at their age and and with you know what they've what they've had to overcome emotionally, be able to to uh, address these responses and to do so in a, in an adult fashion has really I'm proud of them. Yes. I'm proud of them for that. That's huge. And I mean, so many like you said, so many adults aren't able to do it. So it is right, when you watch right. your kids being able to, uh, you know, manage something that is that difficult and um that goes back to something so deep within them that caused that in the first place that's very I love that I love that example too uh, um of something that uh you're proud of what um what would you say I mean you've got like a teenager and a preteen um so you you've kind of got up to that stage what would you say has been the hardest part of fatherhood so far yeah you know this uh, I, I wish this were unique. This is actually pretty easy to answer, and I wish it were unique to uh, adoptive parents, but I know a lot of kids, the adoptive and biological, go through hard things. And I would say, hands down, trauma versus mm. uh, hands down. Um, like like I said, my, my oldest son, Yakalo, like I was always, you know, I was the great big toy. Like, I don't know what, I know what a mom is and mom's authority, dad's the dads, I guess, just do stuff for you, yeah. you know, and that, that's, that's, that's where his relationship started. But when he hit, and we didn't know what was going on at the time, when he hit his first um, trauma anniversary, uh, like, I, there was a point I was just sitting there and he came up and whacked me over the head hmm. uh, with like one of those little massaging, you know, those yes. massagers with the, oh. the little wooden balls. Yeah. And so it's like trying to get, it's like, well, that was so far out of character mm-hmm. that you you couldn't even like you couldn't even really be angry because it was so clearly coming from a place of hurt and so as like we'd read about it mm-hmm. but we we didn't know the dates and you you couldn't line everything up so yeah. I, I would say you know and knowing that there's something so I'm 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 an engineer uh, by training, I do software development. So I, like, I, I find problems and I fix them. And like knowing that there's something deep seated inside of your children that you can't mm. 
get in and fix um, is hard. And so dealing with that and, and working through it and, and just making it safe for them to talk and, and, and being their voice when they can't. And it's like, uh, honey, I know, I know right now is hard. Yeah. Uh, you don't remember this, but this is what happened to you six years ago, 12 years ago. Your body remembers that even yes. if your brain can't. And like being able to vocalize for them what they're feeling when they don't understand it. Like it's, it's a hard thing and dealing with that, you know, because it, it comes out. Um, it was one thing when we were homeschooling and it's just like, ah, th- this, this week just isn't going to work. So we're going to yeah. sleep in. And, uh, you know, go to the park. Well, you send, a, you send them to public school and then they have to kind of publicly work through that exactly. difficulty. So, uh, you know, seeing them navigate that has been hard and, and they're getting better. You know, so if, if you're yep. if you're listening in your middle of it, I would just say find out their dates, voice it for them so that they can understand mm. uh, what they're going through and then. You know, help them, you know, help them as much as much as you, you can to to understand the circumstance. You can't really take the emotion away so much. I, I'll give you another example. My, my dad um, was in Vietnam and he he, he has PTSD very mm. acutely on the on specific days of the year. And it's it, it manifests the exact same way as my son's. Wow. And it's it's amazing that you identified that right away too, because it is something you read about when, but when you uh, yeah. you know experience it, my daughter has the same thing with different dates, and when you experience seeing it in action, it is it's almost so jarring. You're like, this is so out of personality, out of character. They're right. not their personality. So, I love how gentle you guys were, and you know, not mm-hmm. that we parents always do a perfect job on any of that. I don't think that's um, what you're saying, but. Yeah. Um, identifying that you can't take it away, but that, yeah. that there are things that you can. I, I mean, I know that's your um, hardest part about fatherhood, but I'd say that's something to be proud of too, <laughs> that you were able to do that and, yeah. and give them that permission to experience yeah. it still. Yeah. Yeah. And no, I, I, am, I am definitely the most gentle dad on this podcast speaking right now. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's, yeah, if I, if I painted that picture, uh, we might need to revisit slightly, but about that short fuse, but yes, we're working on that. <laughs> Aren't we all? Yes, this, this mom here is working on hers too. Um, so what would you say are your fa- favorite characteristics about both of your boys? Um, that's a, <laughs> you you do really good asking these questions. So, so, uh, so I'll, 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 give you, I'll, give you a, I'll give you a story. So when we... Uh, adopted Yakalo, um, the the director at Hannah's Hope at the time. Uh, you know, we were in talking to her, and he just came walking in like he owned the place. And and she laughed, and she's like, "He thinks he runs this place, so he doesn't know what we're gonna do when he's gone." So he has Yakalo has always had um, just abundant charisma, which is interesting because Larissa and I are both introverted homebodies, and so we're raising this very uh, charismatic uh, being, and and the way that that has developed as he has grown up, uh, he has a very dry 
witty sense of humor <laughs> that I love. Like, I it's love actually that. very, it, it's very similar to my own sense of humor. And so that's been beautiful to watch. I, I love it about him. Uh, he makes friends still very mm. easily. Uh, he can fit in with the group very easily with that charisma. And another thing, um, both, both my sons play soccer. And so Yakalo also is, he's very graceful. Like every oh, wow. move, everything he does, it's just kind of poetry to watch. It's almost like a cat, you know, and he, like even when they fall over, they're like, wow, that, still, yep. they're, they're like meant to do that. And they're, you know, grooming themselves immediately. And it's like, did, did they fall? I don't think they fell over. So it's like he makes everything he, he does just look very smooth and graceful. And then then Sintayu, um, he is so affectionate so he's mm. he's our he's our cuddler and i, I, I love that. that about him and he and it, it 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 goes into cuddling and then goes into like uh tradition and he, he likes home and he likes tradition and mm. and like he, he's my buddy when it's like it's time to set up the tree and do all the oh, things I love christmas that. and uh, like he, he and i are are very similar that way he likes uh, both of us are foodies, so it's like you will find us as often as we can at the, you know, any local dive diner for breakfast. You, know, you love eating that and drinking all the drinks and then, you know, get, getting, you know, another soccer example. He is, uh, he is so persistent. Like if, if you've ever seen, and he's, he's smaller uh, and he plays on an older, on an older grade. So, wow. uh, you know, if, if you've ever seen those like a hawk with that little bird that's constantly circling and driving the hawk. Yep. That's, that's, that's kind of the way he is playing soccer. I love that. And he's, he, he pushes himself so hard and it's good to watch. Uh, so yeah. yeah, those are some of the things I'm very, very proud of them about. So. I love it. I love too. It's just the most fun to watch your kids as they, you know, when you, when you met them at three, you had, you know, you saw something in them. And then as you're watching them grow, you just continue yeah. to see those incredible uh, characteristics about them. That's mm-hmm. just, I love that. I love that so much. So I'm going to tap into your uh, experienced dadness mm-hmm. and um, ask you some questions. You don't have to be right. This is, you yeah. know, this is, <laughs> you could be whatever. Yeah. But yeah. from your experience, what advice would you have for new mm. and or adoptive dads? Yeah. So, um Speaking to adoptive dads primarily because we do not have biological children, um, I would say um, educate yourself. Um, there is there is a tendency, and I, so I say this as if I'm accusing the universe, and really, like I'm accusing myself too before I educated myself. So there is a tendency to think. Oh, we're going to get those kids in and we're just going to love them so much and just love and hug. And love is necessary. Love is mandatory. It has its place. Um, But if you, if you, if we do not educate ourselves, we could very easily be missing the signs and the triggers that can help inform us on how to apply that love. Hmm. Because, um, you know, that, that, Probably one of the things I hear that I'll say frustrates me the most that I wish I could stop and educate people. Oh, your kids are so lucky. And I'm like, no, my kids, 
my kids aren't lucky. My kids have come from a place of hurt. And whether that's deep or just under the surface, that's always in there. And so educating yourself, understanding, and then probably the other thing for adoptive parents is like, don't hide their, don't hide their stories. Like if there is trauma, uh, then I understand that there may be an age appropriate time Mm -hmm. to bring that out, but, but don't hide their stories. You know, like we were talking earlier, sometime. Sometimes we can be the voice to help them understand how they're feeling when they don't understand because they're going through the emotions and they're going through the feelings, whether or not they understand that. And so to the extent that we can help them with their stories and help them to understand uh, what they're going through, it's safe. You know, the, the, the horror stories that I hear of, you know, 40, 50, 60, and then beyond where like people just would adopt children and bottle it up and they 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 live for 40 years with this sense of not fitting in and all of a sudden they understand what like that is inconceivable to me and so i would just say educate yourself and to the extent that you can you know don't hide the stories and celebrate them as much as as you can help them help them to understand and be empathetic uh as much as possible for for where they've come from wow I have nothing to add to that. I think you're right on. And it is that that I resonate too with the people that say, oh, they're so lucky. I'm like, oh, luck isn't anything to do with what they like. This isn't luck to have us, you know. And I love, you also said love is mandatory. I love that. And, but you've got to do the work or you're not going to be, you know, that's, that's the loving act. I think right there is doing the work to be able to um, meet their needs the right way and help them develop mm-hmm. and grow. That's great advice. Um, so what would um, maybe your best tip be for connecting with preteen and teenage boys? This is a, <laughs> I'm, I'm taking notes on this yeah. one right here. I've, yeah. got, I've got two teenage boys. So I'm like, what do you yeah. do, David? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, so there's a there's a happy spot somewhere in between, you know, being their best friend and because I said so, that I think we need, you know, I think we need to operate in there. Hmm. Like I, I think situationally we need to meet them where they are, and again situationally we need to pull them up to meet us where we are. So you know, meeting them where they are. Uh, I, I, I think it's helpful. Again, I'm not talking about being a Disney dad. I'm not talking about, you know, being their best friend. But, you know, there are times that I think it's important to validate, you know, our son's interest in our thoughts. You know, whether it's, it's sports or hobbies or games, you know, find something that you can connect with them on That's great. at their level. But additionally, like, it's especially, uh, you know, in the, in the teen, you know, early and mid teens range, like, um, they're not, you can't just let them be kids anymore. So not if, if we're meeting them at their level, like they create opportunities where the expectation is like, you need to be an adult in this situation. Like we're, we're going to go do this thing, you know, and it's all kinds of things like, you know, like, 
you know, we're going to church all day and you're not complaining about it. Or, you know, we, we need to go to the funeral home. And I know that's not where you want to be, but it's your friend's grandpa and we're going and like, and it's yeah. like, and you're going to, and you're going to handle this like an adult or, you know, maybe the widow down the road, you know, need, you know, needs some help and you're going to go mow the yard. And I, I say that like, like that was a, that was a learning experience I had when I was young that I did not handle very well. But yeah. we now have, you know, in, in our uh, street, you know, that opportunity for the boys. And it's like, okay, yep, you, you, you're still a kid and you get to be a kid and we'll go do the kid parent things. But you also need to step up and come up to the adult side a little bit and start yes. dipping your toe in this because we're not going to want you out. Uh, oh, you know, exactly. having having sat on the sofa for 10 years straight. So that's not what we're going to do for you. Yeah, not our goal. <laughs> yep. I, that's what uh, my husband calls a cellar dweller. He's like, I don't want yeah. any cellar dwellers here. We don't yeah. have one, but you know, yep. that's yep. Uh, what it looks like. So as your boys are moving in, I, it's a perfect transition. As your boys are moving into adulthood, what do you hope that they um, walk away really knowing about themselves? Um, so I guess I want them to understand that, um, and and I need to be careful here because it sounds a little, but little bit like, you know, contemporary psychobabble, but, um, like they, they need to know that who they are is important and sufficient. And and like, I'm not talking, within the bounds of God's word. And I'm not talking about, you know, if, if they have all these crazy desires or all these things they want to do, that's not what I'm talking about, but like understanding, you know, their intrinsic worth, they don't need to be more than who they are. Uh, they don't need to be other than who they are. Uh, and, you know, as, as we talked about their positive traits, I think they need to continually like bring those to the cross mm-hmm. and understands like how can you use this to edify, you know, God's body? How can you use this for kingdom work? You know, one of you is very affectionate and has a big heart and a longing for justice. The other one has and charisma oozing from every pore. It's like, these are, these are gifts. Like I can see how to use those. So that, that's what, that would probably be, you know, what I would tell them is like understanding that, you know, with, within the confines of holy living, you know, you're, who you are is important and who you are is sufficient. So. Yeah, I love that. That's beautiful. Um, what, what do you want your sons um, to know about their identity in Christ after saying yeah. all that? You know, there's, there's, a, there's a couple, ah, there's, a, there's a lot. There's a lot in here. Um, one of the things that, uh, so I'll give you an example. Um, I do have a lot of, uh, of health problems. And um, one of the times that I was headed into the, into the hospital, uh, one of the boys asked Larissa, he was like, you know, if dad dies, do we go back to the orphanage? Mm. So I know that the the physical the, the natural and the supernatural realm are different but the patterns that we see and the experiences that we have in the in the physical world influence our perception and understanding of the supernatural 
And so in that sense, like I want them, I want them to not have that spirit of an orphan, mm-hmm. but to like to fully embrace spiritual adoption and, and to, to understand their sonship, mm-hmm. to understand their heirs like that. That's because that's the that's the beauty of adoption. It's like when we sign the the our our legal paper paperwork is like all of our children biological are adopted are equal heirs to our estate, and it's like that is the yeah. beauty of the gospel. And so in, you know, just to be just to be sure in that, and then the the other example they struggle with is. Um, oh, I don't know if they do or they don't, but they could. But this this um, natural versus physical. I had mentioned that um, both of both of our sons did not have a biological father, <clears throat> and you you know you hear a lot of psychology talking about you know our image of God is a lot of in a lot of ways framed by our father, and so um, you know I have health concerns and. Uh, in March, I was diagnosed with a pretty aggressive form of cancer. Mm-hmm. And, we're, you know, we're not sure how that all is going to shake out. But I want them to understand that in our Heavenly Father is reliable in spite of the physical examples that they've, they've witnessed. And, you know, I don't, I don't know how you open their heads up and, and pour yeah. that in. But that that would be my that would be my prayer that you know that, that God could make that clear to them uh, how big He is, and I I pray that He can use my frailty to to show that to them. So I'll be praying that too. That, yeah. All of that makes me very choked up. I feel the same things yeah. for my daughter yeah. and and my boys. Yeah, yeah that are biological, yeah. but you just. That's the that's the beautiful message. So, um, what do you want your legacy to be? Mm. Mm, there's a lot in here. Um, I'll, t- I'll tell you a story. So, and this is something that I hadn't realized about myself until very recently. So, my uh, my my father was a, um, a lay pastor in our same same congregation that that I am now, and I, I can remember. Um, growing up and I would come downstairs in the morning and he would be in a lazy boy with a blanket on his lap with like a big parallel Bible. And it was in a corner and there was a bookshelf with like all these nerdy looking like Bible kind of books. And I can remember as a kid being like, how can you read all the, what's he doing over there? And so uh, fast forward it in my, in my own, like I'm an introvert and I'm an engineer. So forgive me for never connecting these dots previously, but it's like, <laughs> I love Saturday and Sunday morning. Like there's, there's something about getting up on a Saturday in particular, you know, it's golden and sunny out mm-hmm. and I've got, you know, a nice pot of coffee and I've got hours ahead of me that I can just sit and study the Bible and worship and pray. And I love that time. And it was only belatedly that I was like, huh, like, I wonder how much dad imprinted on me. And so while my sons both like Saturday morning is like, hey, dad, are you done with Bible study yet? We want to do this or we want to do that. And I'm like, 
what is what is this done with Bible study that you're talking about? But, but, but anyhow, so so hopefully at some point they find themselves in a corner in a chair with a blanket on their laps and the Bible open and reference material all around them and just loving God's word and just worshiping Him through the study and the prayer and then you know the uh, the other thing I would say uh, is uh, I want them to know how to love their wives. Mm. Like I, I, I try to model that every day. You know, they don't always like, <laughs> they don't always like. <laughs> Especially me. at this age. Yes. <laughs> they don't, they don't like me modeling that every day, but you know, just understanding how to love and respect and compliment and, and, and just do life with, you know, a godly woman who, who frankly is a powerful daughter of Christ, uh, daughter of God and, and sister to Christ and understanding what that looks like, understanding mm-hmm. like this is natural. This is normal. Yeah. We are partners. We serve together. We love each other unconditionally. We love each other when one of us you know, is sick and then gets a cancer diagnosis on top of it. And they see that from Larissa and I like to, to model that to my boys is like, if, if they can be uh, good husbands and, and godly men digging into, digging into scripture, uh, that would be my, my prayer for them. So. Yeah. I love that. I, I love too, that you put that together. Um, about your dad. It really, th- those yeah. are the things that stick with you, whether you realize it or not, especially at the age that your kids are, whether they like it or not. Those yeah. are things that stick with you. And don't worry, we're traumatizing our children over here too. Yeah. Just pretty <laughs> full time. <Good. laughs> dad. Yeah. yeah. And it turns yeah. out I'm a real embarrassment a lot. So I'm, yeah, yeah. I totally yeah. understand the trauma of, of uh, trying to love your spouse well. <laughs> Giving that example. Well, I yep. so appreciate you. Um, I feel like this was such a gift to me. I didn't mm-hmm. that I didn't expect today, and um, I just appreciate you sharing and your thoughtfulness and candor and um, just sharing your life experience and what that looks like. And I feel like everyone is going to listen to this and um, have a lot to think about. And um, be a little bit of a better uh, person and parent afterwards. So um, I just really appreciate it, David. Thank you for taking the time. Marissa, thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It it uh, it, it was it was really good, um, you know, to re- to reflect and to take this opportunity. We don't we don't know what's ahead. Well, we do know what's ahead. We just don't know what the next thirty years or so is going to look like. So. Yeah. Yep, exactly. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Together by AGCI. That was adoptive dad, David Maybaugh, single-handedly making all of our Father's Days just a little bit brighter. If you like what you heard today, please share our podcast. You can also go on and rate and review us wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to read or watch even more stories of hope or learn about the work that we do at AGCI, go to our website at allgodschildren.org. Follow us on Instagram at allgodschildreninternational. Thank you for listening and happy Father's Day.